0: Lasso low down. Lowdown, Lowdown. On all things Ted Lasso, this is an episode by episode review podcast brought to you by Mangum Talks of the Apple Plus TV series Ted Lasso. Spencer, we are officially in the smack dab middle of episode one. This is episode five. I'm gonna say weirdly titled Tan lines. Let's give initial thoughts before we jump into the structure of the episode. What did you think of this one?
1: I think tan lines is the weirdest thing to focus on when it comes to events that happen in this episode. It's like lot of other things go down it's probably one of the most it's probably the most emotional episode yet it made me outright misty and you want to name it after a single offhand story that ted tells okay that's a that's a decision by the production crew all right i feel like they either thought way too much or way too little on the title for this episode but
0: nonetheless let's not get too bogged down in the title because i would say that i'm not sure this is the best episode of ted lasso that we have seen I would say that Ted Krim Independent for me is the best one I've seen, but I will say this was the most affecting. This was the episode where I thought, I can't believe that I was actually kicking myself. I was like, I cannot believe that this dumb character that Jason Sudeikis made on a whim to push Premier League soccer in the States is making me sit here
1: on my couch and cry. This is absolutely insane to me. Yeah, this Pollyanna prick is giving me one of the most emotional moments of television I've had ever. What, what the hell is happening? My goodness. Okay, all
0: right, so before we get into the episode, a little housekeeping. So, Spencer, uh, you you do not administer the pod. You are the talent only around here in the Magnet yes, Talks yes, pod. Yes, You are talent mm-hmm. only, so I will tell you this. I have even mean, told you this off-pod. Uh, off we continue to grow week over week. The podcast really seems to be catching on. We're getting an audience. So all you folks who are listening, who are subscribing, who are rating and reviewing, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Keep listening because we are barreling through season one and we are prepping for the week by week. Coverage of Season 2 of Ted Lasso, which will start, I think, July 23rd, something like that, end of July. We will be here with you every week. So thank you for joining us for Episode 1. We're having a lot of fun doing this. But remember that we will be here with you episode by episode of Season 2. If you're enjoying the pod, please subscribe, rate, and review. We love to hear your reviews. And if you have something more long-form to tell us, any feedback on the pod, things you like, things you don't like, just anything in general, you can go to our host website, Mangum Talks. That's MangumTalks.com. Upper right hand corner, click Contact Us, fill out the form. I promise I will read it. I promise I will curate it. Anything uh, uh that I think Spencer needs to know, I will let him know. And <laughs> you know what? Sometimes we bring the things to the pod. So if you have a suggestion for the pod, we might make it onto the pod. So any and all feedback are certainly welcome. We also do some other pods around here on the Mangum Talks Podcast channel. We do the Nevers More podcast. If you checked out the Nevers on HBO, it's an episode by episode review of the Nevers. Spencer and I did a lot of fun. We do Mangum Talks TV. That's a very freewheeling podcast where anything that spencer and i watch on television we throw it up on that podcast feed and we review it it's a lot of fun and if you enjoy spencer and i talking to each other you'll probably enjoy a podcast we have called mangum talks just mangum talks generally it's uh the brain trust here at mangum talks the four of us sitting around uh doing some chatting so uh it's a it's a good time spencer anything you want to plug from another little podcast you do
1: Uh, We also do a digital book club, Mangum Reads, where week by week we recommend a different work for all of us to read together and discuss and go over any uh, comments, criticisms, or suggestions that our fan base has when it comes to the actual text that we picked. We also have a sub-podcast of that that has kind of taken off and developed a life of its own, Pottering Around, a chapter-by-chapter recap of Harry Potter as we go through the entirety of the series from three different perspectives, an experienced professional who knows the works forwards and backwards, an absolute newbie like me that somehow missed them growing up. And BJ is a jaded washout, as he always is. But between the three of us, we have some very fun, we have a lot of fun going through each chapter, and we think our listeners enjoy it, too.
0: So if you, any of those podcasts sound interesting to you, just go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Mangum Talks. They will all pop up, and you can check them out. We have a lot of fun doing them. But the issue at hand here is Ted Lasso Spencer. We have to review Episode 5, Tan Lines. If you have been with us before, you know the segments. The segments are, we start with biscuits with the boss of course and tea time with lee where i uh try to convince our american audience that tea is not as bad as ted lasso thinks that it is Good luck with that. then we go to a recap spencer that's right spencer leads the recap then we'll go into our concluding segments of the episode as we get to a summary about what we thought we do train wreck of the episode sports center top 10 and we conclude with ted's life lessons of the episode so that is our agenda on deck today let's start before we get to the recap, let's start with
1: what we have in front of us, Spencer. Uh, what do you have for biscuits with the boss? Uh, this time around I decided to go much a little bit higher end. I went to a bakery and I picked up a lemon bar. It is soft, it is cakey, it is delicious, and it is delightfully limiting, and I'm quite enjoying it.
0: So, real talk. Lemon bars are probably my favorite dessert. That's really? not yeah, that's not a part like it's it's my favorite like thing that you can get like a thing of, right? Mm-hmm. Like I might like a pie or a cake more or some ice cream more, but like individually baked treats. I think a lemon bar is probably my favorite. Also, uh, we do another podcast. It's now defunct called the GOT Got Questions podcast where we reviewed Game of Thrones. Spencer, you know, Sansa's love of lemon cakes actually comes from George R.R. Martin's love of lemon bars. Did you know that? I did not. You taught me something there. There you go. Lemon bars, uh, very popular in my household. I do love lemon bars. Uh, The tea that I have for you today is... Not a British tea. Whoop. I'm swerving. I'm swerving on you, Spencer. But it is Sacrilegious. a tea that's in large quantities in London and actually all over the world. And it is slowly starting to catch on here in America. That is called rooibos tea. Rooibos tea. It's a South African tea that's actually hmm. a misname. Uh It's actually not tea at all. It's a it's a plant uh, that's not a tea plant that they actually um, try out. They beat up. They ground into powder. And they make tea out of it in South Africa. It's become very popular all over the world. It's red it's one of the most like it has a very deep red color. And mm. when you get it and you get it in tea bags, you'll notice that it is actually a powder uh, that it's making the tea out of. It's got this like unctuous, earthy flavor. It's naturally caffeine free. So if you're uh, if you need a little tea uh, later in the day, you don't want to stay up all night. You don't want to pull a Spencer and be up all night. This might be a good <laughs> tea for you. I really love Roybo's tea. Uh, they will tell you in South Africa that it cures everything that ails you. Whatever you got, Roybo's tea will fix. I don't know about all that. But i do mm. love the taste of it i really enjoy robo's tea spencer i sent you some robo's tea one time what did, did you, you think you, of it
1: you did i actually really enjoy it it doesn't serve the primary purpose i use of tea of that just a little bit of extra caffeine to make everything a little bit easier but just as a pleasant like you know after meal kind of drink it's delightful it As a wonderful very as you said very earthy almost with a mix of fruity flavor yeah you know what they use it for is uh oftentimes they couple it with something sweet
0: um, so, like, you know, after dinner, if you're having like a dessert, like, then mm-hmm. might, you might get a cup of rooibos tea. So it doesn't keep you; it doesn't keep you jazzed all night. It doesn't keep you up all night, and it's a nice <laughs> little, um, nice little balance with something sweet. So maybe tonight, uh, you, you, rooibos tea could have gone with your lemon bar. That would have been a solid combination, I think.
1: <sighs> I need you; I need you to make more decisions for me. That would have been a lovely call. Mm-hmm. But even as it stands, we have our delightful dessert that we both very much enjoy. We have our, our tea that we're both quite fond of. Are you ready, sir, for me to go into a recap of this episode? I am ready, Spencer! Let's do the recap, episode five, Tan Lines. As so many of these episodes do, we start with a great song. Wishing and Hoping" by Dusty Springfield. Wishing and, them open. and hoping And hoping And praying. Great song. Oh, the best. Uh, as we see, Higgins being dropped off by his family. And this is one of the moments that really just frames Higgins as being the Gary Gergich of this show. Of, he is the sad sack, picked on guy at work. Not that great at his job Constantly finding a new way to fail Whatever whatever he's set to But he has a wonderful family life And his family adores him And it's really great to see that I enjoy these kind of characters Of where you see that the work them And the home them Are night and day different from each other And it seems like his family is very much united In loving and supporting him And utterly hating Rebecca like the plague And tell your boss I hope she gets heart disease to which no one flinches at everyone's just like nope that's kind of like the usual i hope you have a good day at work honey kind of expression they use i guess uh as you know higgins is walking to go in ted is right there in front of him and waves hi to higgins but thoroughly distracted he smacks his head hard on the doorway and apparently he smacks uh, his head
0: on the doorway spencer what is he walking into like uh, bilbo baggins hut like why is I the do- why is the doorway so low
1: I don't know. Ted's not that tall, but he just utterly clocks himself as he's trying to go through his door. Um, Apparently, he's very distracted by the fact that his family's arriving on their flight here today, as he reveals to Rebecca during their biscuits with the boss, and can't stop revealing. Ted clearly is looking for someone to talk to, and since Rebecca vented to him about Rupert and all their issues with him back at the gala last episode, he feels that their relationship has progressed to the point that he can vent about his marital woes. Would you agree that Rebecca doesn't see it the same way? Uh, yeah, she, she,
0: I think, is starting to regret having opened up to him after a couple glasses of the, of the bubbly at the, uh, at the
1: gala. <laughs> she literally even says, Lesson learned about that. Not going to make that mistake one more time. But from Ted, we really reaffirm some of the things we suspected before, that him and his wife's relationship is very much on the rocks. Hmm, They've had good. a lot of marital issues. They've been speaking to a therapist. They've even developed a code work so, so as to cut through the crap and be able to get right to the meat of whatever it is they're talking about and tell the truth to each other. With the primary source of the problem being, at least according to Ted, his constant optimism has come to great upon her. And I can understand that. As much as it is fun to watch Ted on the screen, in person, all the time, in a relationship with him, I can see how his constant pluckiness would eventually start to rub you wrong. Apparently, it's the case with his wife. um As said, Rebecca is fair. Yeah. Much in uh, one thing I want to
0: jump in here on. Yeah. uh So I'm going. I'm going back a little bit to when Ted was looking at his phone and smacked his head. He said he couldn't stop checking on his flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the flight of his wife and kid. I just want to point out that uh for the audience, uh, Spencer and I do not live in the same town, so we often will meet. We actually live a long way away from each other. So we we'll actually meet in the middle sometimes and just hang out for like a weekend or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, Spencer's a cheap, cheap man. And he always gets the flights where he comes in at like 11 or 12 o'clock at night because that's the cheapest flight he can get. And so <laughs> as I was watching this, I actually thought of you, Spencer, because I don't know how many times I've been like like at a hotel, like waiting for a weekend of fun with Spencer, like checking the flight. Like is Spencer really going to get in at 11, 12 o'clock at night? Uh, I've totally done that before because of you buying cheap tickets. Uh, I- now, I also want to say... Uh, as a podcast, I think we should, do you want to, do you want to Oklahoma? Do you want to have Oklahoma as the code word, Spencer? Whenever you need the truth out of me, just say Oklahoma. I think we should
1: institute this as a podcast. I, I think we need a word. Oklahoma, I don't think resonates enough with the two of us, because apparently it, it ties into Ted's absolute love of show tunes and now I'm not not able to appreciate them in the, quite the same way. But we will find a code word that works for us. Okay. All right.
0: Sorry to, sorry to interrupt the recap. Re- no, you're but. doing
1: fine. Uh, we cut to Keely checking in on Jamie, and checking in the sense that she just walks into his house the day after they broke up. That works. To find that there's a girl already there in a certain state of undress, who is apparently Ooh. a huge fan of Keeley's. Uh, Jamie walks in, wearing not much, and immediately gets defensive on the subject of how long is a man meant to be alone, and is a man really meant to shower alone? I have to ask you is in your mind there an appropriate period of where it is not appropriate to immediately move on to somebody else after breaking up
0: um so the relationship as keely and jamie have been portrayed to me um there is no time that you can start immediately i actually go on jamie's side here because it didn't seem like they had too close a relationship now you've been with your girlfriend what 10 years something like that Yep. Now, if y'all split, there there should be, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all have lived together and stuff. There should be a time after that. But, like, these two seem to be pretty casual. So I'm actually on Jamie's side here. Yeah, I
1: think Keely kind of comes around to it because he actually even just, you know, thank you. Your actions have made my decision and my justifications for it a lot easier. I'm not going to mope. I'm not going to feel bad about this. I am clear now. And Jamie, having all of the, you know, astuteness of a turtle, <laughs> actually says, you're welcome welcome. in response to that comment
0: you said i did something you said i did something and he even tries to explain it like a like a 12 year old he's well you you said i did a thing so you're welcome
1: to which she's just kind of flabbergasted and just smiles and walks away again saying nice to meet you to her adoring half-naked fan that's right there
0: isn't that hilarious though the idea that like she breaks up with jamie and then jamie goes get and with somebody like right away which is kind of like probably unnerving to her or like insulting a little bit and then the girl's like oh i follow your
1: insta like i'm such a big fan like what a, what a dynamic yeah that'd be a weird thing just to come to terms with and she kind of just wisely was like okay i'm done all y'all up you good?" and just walks out except uh, that she says she's still going to assist him with a photo
0: shoot that she had planned for him
1: she is and we will see that later because she is really kind of Dedicated herself to the idea that she can assist players with the idea of their own self-marketing, their own self-promotion. Something that enough players don't, enough players, particularly on this team, aren't doing enough of. Uh, we're at training uh, of where Ted is really trying to instill in his players the idea that extra passes are needed. The team isn't working. Playing as a team isn't working. More passes, more, all the time. Uh, what would you say is Jamie's point of view on this new team plan? Uh, Jamie protests. Um, he says that when Sam
0: is open, Sam is still shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, you cannot convince Jamie in any way to do this. But the fact that Sam, in the words of Ted, was as open as the jar of peanut butter that he leaves on the kitchen counter so that whenever he walks in, he can just get a quick little taste of peanut butter, to which even Roy says that's just a great idea that he's never thought of before. Second time of the
0: episode, I thought of you right away. Because <clears throat> you have said you keep your peanut butter in the refrigerator, and when you need to use it, you take it out and set it on the counter until it thaws, right? Yep. This so you've actually routine. pulled a lasso here. You've had you've had your peanut butter just sitting on the counter.
1: I, I feel that Lasso's copying me. I think I've been doing this first, but I'll entertain your idea that we're doing the, doing this together. <laughs> Funny. Uh, Jamie can, as you said, cannot be bothered to pass to Sam. Ted's desperately trying to convince them. However an interrupting event occurs as at the edge of the pitch Ted's family has arrived
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Ted has that kind of immediate emotional reaction everybody doesn't even really think about what he's doing he just cancels practice and just starts running to which both Nate and Beard think that that was probably not a well thought out decision it's a much longer than he thinks it is metaphor but Ted just wants to get there as soon as possible
0: Uh, doesn't he say like I thought y'all would meet me halfway yeah he
1: actually says that no they're not moving they're waiting for him to get there uh, Ted's relationship with the two is immediately starkly demonstrated as being quite different. His relationship with his son, I think we maybe about degree to summarize, cutest thing ever. The two of them are adorable whenever they're interacting with each other. He's such a good dad. He's a really Absolutely. good dad. He is the quintessential dad for that age of a kid. Uh, relationship with his wife, much more standoffish. I mean, I, I was kind of describing their relationship the course of this episode as almost being like. Are these guys on their first date from the level of lack of emotional connection that they're displaying with each other? It's pretty darn awkward, isn't it? It is continually awkward and it only gets more awkward as time goes on. But with, pra- with training canceled, with them in London together, they're able to spend their time in the city. So they set off to go on adventures. While they're pondering what their next step would be though, we see Higgins and Rebecca interacting with each other. With Higgins kind of apologizing to Rebecca that, yeah, we're not actually selling out seats anymore. Rebecca's not exactly surprised about this. They've lost four in a row. They're facing relegation, but from her perspective, everything is going smashingly. Evil plan, Rebecca, proceeding apace. She's
0: got Higgins' head on a swivel here. He does not know what to do with Rebecca because, like, one minute, and I don't really know what to do with Rebecca because she seems to have this master plan, but she also seems to be rooting for Ted. So, like, I don't. I think Higgins is totally uh, in the in the right here to be completely confused as to what the hell Rebecca's thinking.
1: Yeah, he can just receive standing instructions but he continually gets little data points along the way that don't necessarily perfectly jive with what those original orders were mm-hmm. uh, as you mentioned we are now at Keeley and Jamie's uh, I supposed to call it a marketing event they're trying to get Jamie to essentially self-promote and sell a product through his likeness it appears to just be a beer
0: yeah I thought it was a, just a photo shoot for a beer
1: photo shoot for a beer uh, if you were to summarize how successful Keeley's efforts are when it comes to trying to get Jamie to stay to script how score out of, one out of five, what would you give her?
0: It's, uh, I mean, uh, well, she gets a, uh, I hate the way you phrase that, because- uh, It's on t- her? Two, two, t- probably. I mean, it's a valiant effort, but he he is such a
1: numbskull. He, he's, he's such an egoist. He cannot stop just talking about himself. He can't even just sell the product for a half second and stick to the script. He has to make it all about him at all moments. And so it pretty quickly goes off the rails. Rebecca sees this, and immediately offers Keely a job marketing for the rest of the team and each of their other players. Because maybe she wants to be something other than just being famous for being almost famous. Now, if you were to assess what are Rebecca's reasons for doing this, what would you say?
0: Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, um, that's an interesting. I I I don't know where where are you going with this? Because that's an interesting I'm going phrase with... question.
1: I'm going with she just saw Jamie crash and burn with respect to this, and thinks that that's the best that Keeley has to offer the other players, and is looking at this as this is another means to undermine the team.
0: Interesting. I kind of thought that she just liked having Keeley around.
1: Perfectly possible. That's what I want to throw it to you because I think either of those from the evidence that we have available are equally reasonable interpretations from events.
0: Yeah, but we need to we need to talk quotes here because um, Keely does fire back. I don't want you to give me a job just because I was nice to you in the loo the other night, Rebecca. Why not? Men give each other jobs and toilets all the time. Keely, yeah, they do. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Keely has so much fun with
1: every conversation she's part of. She makes it dirty quick. Ted and Michelle, who's the name of his wife that I don't, Oh, also,
0: Keely, uh, Rebecca says, you, you can do this job or you can go back to wh- whatever you were doing before. And Keely, then, we finally get Keely's explanation of what she does. Uh, episode five. I'm sort of famous for being almost famous. There you the go. Nature, That's what Keeley does.
1: The nature of Instagram celebrities. That right there. summarizes perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ted and Michelle arrive at the team pub, to which the regulars immediately go up to greet Ted. I would say it's fair they have a very different greeting for Ted than they do once they realize that his wife is also there. Which Michelle is in no way surprised by. Apparently this is a regular routine when it comes to being a coach's wife. Coach, insulted straight to the face. Wife, suddenly they are the most lovely people ever.
0: When are you going to win a game, you fucking wanker?
1: Absolute uh, pleasure to wife. meet you, Miss
0: Lasso. <laughs> yeah.
1: Immediate 180.
0: By the way, very British exchange, right? He, like, in a pub, screaming at him, calling him a fucking wanker, turns on a dime. Absolute pleasure to meet you, Miss
1: Lassa. Very British. The lovely owner walks up to offer Ted's son some darts. Probably not the best call, but sure, we'll see how that goes. Something to do. Uh, Ted and his wife order some fish and chips and share what is so awkward first date kind of banter. These guys have no romantic emotional connection at all anymore, it seems, just in terms of just... They can't even just find a thing to talk about for two minutes.
0: It seems like there was something. This I, I, We don't know the answer to this, right? But no. it seems to me that something happened. And when that thing happened, it just completely broke their dynamic. And yeah. now they talk to each other like strangers. And so I, I don't know what the hell happened to these two. I mean, they clearly got along at some point and had a rapport at some point. But man, you're right. They talk to each other like two strangers
1: it's so awkward and unpleasant to see for a married couple to do that particularly for these two where you particularly just care about one of them Tinder um, dates are more casual <laughs> their son returns a moment later without any darts I wonder how well he did as we look over and see that he's embedded one in the big black regular that's part of the trio we often see who is taking it rather well taking it in stride that there was a dart fully embedded in his like upper arm right
0: now yeah nice guy yeah he's he's gonna deal with it
1: happens all the time apparently uh, Keely and Jamie have ended their the photo, the photo marketing event, and he immediately uses this opportunity to try to get back in her pants, or at least get her to come over to then get in her pants. She is not receptive to this. Roy nope. doesn't know why, but comes over to just basically endorse her decisions because he has to put up with Jamie on the pitch. Can't even imagine how she, has to, how she puts up with him in a relationship. She reveals that she broke up with him. And they immediately, she immediately starts sniping at him with this certain implication for some of the things that he says that she has to in some way seek permission from him with respect to her life decisions, going down to, as she texts in later, permission to pee.
0: Such a funny thing where she, she says this and then she walks away and immediately texts him, you know, my bladder's <laughs> full, can I pee? Uh, toilet emoji.
1: Yeah, to which Roy just kind of reads it and just says to himself, yes you have permission just like walks yeah. away He's, has no, re, no real concept how to respond to what she just threw at him we we jump now to what is tonally probably the most inconsistent moment of this episode compared to what else we see with respect to the family relationship we see Ted and his son building a double-decker bus out of blocks it's adorable Michelle joins in And we get a weird kind of slow-mo camera with Bring It On Home To Me by Sam Cooke playing in the background to what looks like the ultimate happy family dynamic. We get the cheesecloth over the lens, it's the slow-mo, it's the nice music playing. It comes across like this is a flashback moment to better times. Of when the relationship used to be happy. And, as we see later, looks are deceiving. And I think even Ted is, at least at this moment, kind of taken into there may be hope in this relationship, there may be hope for this family. Mm -hmm. Sadly, there isn't. Uh, Ted leaves this and, you know, waking up the next morning in a great mood. He's dealing with the fans, he's carrying coffee for everybody. An An old guy fan calls him a wanker. Everything's going great for Ted. He introduces his son to what scones are. Have you ever had scones before, man, by the way, to ask
0: uh, I have head scones, and Ted describes them perfectly. They're like muffins yeah. with the spit sucked out of them.
1: And everything's going great. He's on a solid cloud nine. He goes in to talk to Michelle, and she turns around, and the scene turns on a dime as we start one of what well, are several very sad scenes in this episode. As she's crying. She tries to dodge the conversation. Ted invokes Oklahoma to cut through all that crap. And she reveals that she spends every day hoping she feels like she did in the beginning. And keeps trying. Keeps doing what she can to try to restore that old feeling, to at least go through the motions of the relationship. Offers that maybe that's what marriage is. Ted has absolutely nothing to say in response to this. He's left speechless by this kind of, what feels like a moment of revelation to him. And his son intervenes sans pants to break what is... (laughs) A very difficult moment between them. Michelle walks off to assist, and Ted is left in probably the most lack of words emotional state we have seen him in yet on this show. Mm-hmm. Did did it come across to you that her saying this right now is something that she's never really revealed to him before?
0: Yes, it it, it seemed like the first time that she actually put words to it. He knew it, yeah. But it's the first time she put words well, to it.
1: He knew it emotionally. I don't know if he'd been willing to logically process it yet until right here we go into we now go to Ted in his office really barring his soul to Nate and Beard a little bit looking for advice Beard's not the most helpful when it comes to the subject of marriage because apparently he views relationships like cooking a steak if you spend more than it, if you you can't spend anything more than five minutes on one or else it loses its flavor good god Beard uh, Beard makes no effort to dispute that characterization of his relationship history Great. I like
0: when Nate says are you married and he ha ha
1: like yeah beard is not the marrying type Nate asks the question that we've all been pondering why did you go all this way 4,438 miles, thank you cartographer dad if you were so worried about your relationship and the distance that was forming between the two of you Ted has to acknowledge that that's a good question and kind of speaks aloud what he was feeling, that being around so much, was doing for him, was doing more harm than good. He was trying to solve her problems, do su- do sweet things for her, and everything he was doing was backfiring. So, the therapist they were going to recommended that he give her space. He gave her nearly 4,500 miles of it. It's another really sad speech. This yep. is a guy rapidly coming to terms with the fact that his relationship is a lot more done than he thought it was.
0: I mean, if you have to... If you have to leave the continent just to just to keep the band aid on um you, it's probably already over, you know, yeah, the yeah, wound is probably already mortal
1: yeah to let, def- with that metaphor right there yeah, yeah, you worked di- absolutely great i I feel that we can set a rule for ourselves here that if you have to cross the prime meridian to give your date to give your your wife space, your relationship has entered into a completely different world, yeah, it's tough.
0: it's really hard you know it's, it's just so many sad moments this episode it really it's masterful how it builds,
1: yeah. We have Higgins arrive, though, to offer what is just remarkably sage relationship advice, as it turns out. Hold Uh, on, he gets his phone back from Beard first. Yeah. He lost his phone. (laughs) He heard that they had it. Beard has his phone and offers that he's deleted several apps to optimize performance. (laughs) Have you ever done that at all with respect to returning lost property?
0: Uh, Well, it tells me... The funniest thing about this is that Higgins doesn't have his phone locked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apparently... (laughs) such an old man thing to do don't have your phone locked and apparently he's also lost battleship in the process now he's playing that too much anyway absolutely man higgins can just weather whatever storm that is thrown his way lost his phone guy just messed with it and deleted apps randomly you lost your favorite game everything's still great
0: yeah uh, yeah
1: whatever and and part of the reason for that is what we learn is when ted asks higgins to join the inner sanctum as they're now referring to it Mm -hmm. with respect to offering advice Particularly relationship advice And Higgins reveals that They've been together 28 years Kudos Have five boys Three dogs And one ancient cat Whose imminent death Is going to wreck him emotionally Oh All Higgins is my spirit animal uh, I am right there
0: with you Higgins
1: <laughs> Oh god uh, And you know Ted can ask me like How do you endure the hard times I mean there's been hard times right And I said Yeah there have But if, if you're with the right person Even the hard times are easy And that's the kind of moment, yeah, everybody has those kind of moments of where a friend just says something that's just such a truism, that's just indisputably accurate, that the room just kind of falls to silence. There's no need to agree. You certainly don't have any grounds to contest what they offered. You just kind of all share that just silent nod of, yep, a fundamental truism has been uttered before me. Ted Ted even calls it a truth bomb right now.
0: Somebody call 911 because I want to report a truth bomb.
1: Yeah, to which they then get into a discussion about how 999 is actually kind of a crap emergency number from the fact that you would obviously be much more like. How they never think of this like- before?
0: How did they never think of this? Because the one, because uh, the one, but I was doing this along with the, with the episode. Because when yeah. I, I didn't know 999 was actually what they did. It is. So yep. when he said that, I was actually doing the thing with my hand. I was like, oh yeah, you just press it. Oh yeah, you could just, you could butt dial that. That's bad news. I was doing the same little talk that Ted and Beard were doing.
1: Yeah, if your wallet got out of position and just pressed against the nine, you'd suddenly now have dialed dialed for nine one one. And I really enjoy Higgins and Nate being like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." That was, yeah actually, that, yeah, that actually
0: That's, is a problem. Yeah, there, no,
1: there there are a lot of calls. Maybe because of that, it's like, <laughs> no one ever pondered this before?
0: So funny. But I, I love one thing about this moment. I really like is that um, Ted, he trusts people implicitly. You have to you have to disabuse his trust. You've earned it simply because you exist, right? He brings mm-hmm. Higgins into the inner circle. Higgins did nothing particularly to deserve this, right? And as yeah. a matter of fact, he's cohorting with somebody who's undermining Ted. Ted doesn't know this, but he is. But mm-hmm. he brings Ted in. So Ted just leads with trust, right? Yeah. And you, have to, you have to disabuse him of that notion later if he's not going to trust you.
1: Yeah. Your trust is lost not earned when it comes to Ted ah,
0: man you have a better way of saying things to me nice work I,
1: I get paid to do it uh, we cut to the new game the new game that Ted's been prepping for Roy team captain the is is getting the team energized woo most of the team energized what is Jamie doing at the same time the team is doing their hands in rah rah moment
0: well first off shout out to Roy for Absolutely. doing the hey everybody like hands in let's do this I mean he's being the team captain and it's probably not something that's super comfortable for him or natural it's not not how Roy was born right but he's doing it so I really like that Roy's doing that it's a big W for him. Jamie Picking up the mantle. Jamie's a piece of shit and he's sitting in the corner and he's probably looking in a mirror I don't know what he's doing but he sucks.
1: He, whatever he is he's not taking part he sh- gives two shits he's not participating anything the team the actual effort of being a team involves. To the point that Ted feels the need to go over to him. Now, I think it's really fair to say, Ted's not in a great mood right now. No. He says it. Says it to him. He warns him. He starts in his usual Tedisms that you're acting like a, you know, a grandpa channel hopper pressing all the wrong buttons. What a line. You're acting like my grandma with the channel hopper. You're pressing all the wrong buttons. Jamie, though, man. We've seen Jamie at least give Ted lip service before. At least be polite. He's not feeling any need to do that now. He just says, let's make a deal. I'm going to let you preach your yeehaw bullshit, and I'm going to ignore you. Because I'm the only one scoring, and I'm the only one the fans are interested in seeing. Ted is not in a mood to put up with that. If Ted's son had walked in right now, I would bet you money the just explosive blow-up Ted would throw on Jamie right now. He starts
0: it. He starts to do it. Um, Yeah, and and, you know, um, Jamie does explain... That um doesn't matter what you say. He you know what he does. He does the thing of um. Uh, you're you're a big wrestling fan just like me. Uh, you know how um the Rock used to do this. He would say, "All right, let, we'll do it right now." You say, "Um, hey, um, Spencer, what do you think about you know the impending bill in the legislature?"
1: Oh, you know, I've got. A it doesn't
0: matter what you think about the, the, the Rock used to do that, <laughs> and Jamie kind of did that to him. He said, "It doesn't matter." Like he he led him into something. Uh, Ted started to say something. He said, "It doesn't matter what you say." Then Jamie debuts the song of the century. Oh
1: God! In it's our pend- heads forever.
0: Number one on the Billboard charts, ladies and gentlemen. Jamie, Jamie, tell me that
1: hasn't been in your head all week. No, no, it hasn't. I consciously forced it out. I hate the Baby Shark song generally because it's freaking everywhere. But having Jamie Tart sing it and dance to it, I was right there with Ted. I wanted to knock that guy's block off. Jamie Tartt. Stop. Stop. Jamie Enough of that. <laughs> Luckily, Ted's son intervenes, runs into the room, and we see that Jamie is actually really good with the fans and particularly really good with kids. He really actually bought... He has a good moment with Ted's son. He signs his shirt. He says, the next goal on the score is going to be for you. Well... For me, it's gonna be for both of us, but just us. It's actually a really good moment. Ted's son's gonna remember that going forward. Yeah. All while Ted's just biting his tongue right behind him because he's had no opportunity to release the anger he just felt for Jamie right there. Jamie leaves with a game I also a further think there
0: was a sorry to catch up, but I also think no. there was a bit of frustration there between Ted and Beard because. It, it further established Jamie's leverage in the situation, right? Even yeah. Ted's own son is only interested in getting Jamie to yeah, sign even his st- shirt. Even his own son says, sign my kit. Ooh, look at me using British words. Yeah. And Ted, even Beard gives Ted a look like, ugh, this is tough, right? This guy is in a position of
1: too much leverage
0: and that gets parlayed into what we see later in the episode.
1: It is a driving force for the key decision that Ted makes here in a bit. Um, we leave with Ted's son singing that damn song. Just <laughs> <laughs> further hammering it home. Stop. Uh, we we're, we're, Now we're in the game itself. Uh, we immediately see the fan base is pissed. The team is behind. Again, 2-0 really fast in the in game. In six
0: minutes? I don't think I... Really? That is... Woo!
1: This this is Brazil-Germany levels of speed scoring right here. Holy shit. Two two goals in two six minutes. It, it's bad. Very bad. Uh, the fan base in the pub is just throwing a fit they're they're laying on ted uh uh, big black guy paul apparently feels the need to say that he's got a lovely family which i love this line the other fans turned to him and said damn it don't damn it paul don't humanize him
0: Oh, that is such, that is speaking to my core as a sports fan yeah. because <laughs> they're not like, human. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I remember when LeBron left Cleveland back in like 2010 and said, I'm taking my talents to South beach and I hated him and hated him. And then sports center would do these darn thing. Human, like human interest stories of how LeBron was at some school in Akron, giving all these like disabled kids money. And I'd be like, don't humanize him. I want to, I want to hate the guy. It is such a sports <laughs> fan moment. Yeah, oh, so absolutely.
1: relatable. Uh, Ted is being personally blamed for the team's performance. The fan base above him are just chanting wanker. Once again, it has become the standard chant for him. Wanker, wanker. While this is happening, we get to see, and I like this. I like that Jamie isn't overrated. I like that he is actually a superstar. At least has the potential to be one someday. Because at least
0: he, in that that class of, of teams that they have right now, right? I think there's an implication absolutely. that if he were to move up, you know, he would be kind of normal, yeah.
1: We directly see that later. Yeah, but at yeah, least in this go. small pond, he is the big fish. He's and I like that. I, don't, I, I like that it's not just inflated ego. There's a lot of that. But he can back it up. Because yeah, he drives through entirely solo, misses every passing opportunity, and scores their first goal. Fans go wild. <laughs>
0: did you see what Jamie did to celebrate? Yes. <laughs> he points to the back. First off, there's this there's this constant sports trope uh, Sane ism thing of what's on the front of your jersey matters more than what's on the back of your jersey. If you've ever yep. been involved in sports, you've heard that a thousand times. Jamie pointing directly to the back of his jersey, saying, "Me, me, 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 me. me. Oh my As god, what a douche!
1: Ex- all the fan-, the fan base isn't you know cheering for Richmond. They're not doing any like Richmond chances to celebrate this goal. They're cheering for Jamie Tart.
0: Jamie Tart. Do, 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 do.
1: That's all this is. Ted and Beard are looking on. They're not happy with this. It only starts to go downhill from here, though. Next play, Sam gets hurt. Knocked to the ground. Seemingly hurt kind of bad. Uh, yellow cart, <laughs> typical soccer shit.
0: Looks like he's hurt, and then he... What do you hear from him? Well, I'm not, actually, I'm not hurt at
1: all. <laughs> doesn't hurt anymore. I was just kind of scared to stand up. Typical yes. soccer player. My it, God, what pansies. Moving on from that. Lost <laughs> half of our fan base. Well done. Um... <laughs> Yellow cards issued to the other team. The rest of the team kind of clusters around Sam, check if he's okay. Jamie can't even be bothered to pretend to care. He does the big giant step over Sam, theatrically just showing how much he doesn't care. And when Roy browbeats him, like, your teammate's hurt, you go check on him. He physically rolls Sam over. What is? Which if written? Sam was actually hurt, that yeah. would be a massive douche move. I don't know what Jamie's doing. He's being a self-absorbed dick. Roy has had enough. Goes at him, threatens to kill him, trying to fight him right there on the pitch. Team clusters in. The announcers pronounce this is kind of spelling the end of the Richmond team. It's a very bad moment. You ever Red-
0: seen? You ever seen two? You ever seen a, a game where the same team fights itself?
1: It's bad, but yeah, I've seen that before. It's, it
0: happens a lot in basketball on the sidelines, oh, and it is—I I relish it. I mean, it is like it is like an A plus <laughs> moment for me as a sports fan when when the when the own team starts fighting each other. It is oh man, it's rare.
1: Well, it looks like the ref actually gives Jamie a yellow card for fighting his own team. Congrats, Jamie! Don't see that much, um, and. Roy goes to help a thoroughly conf- more confused than hurt Sam, who's yeah. just kind of embarrassed to be laying on the ground this long at this point. And Sam's moving to get up like you know, he's like he isn't feeling any pain. And Roy gives him a key bit of advice about how to work the crowd, about how to build up everybody's spirits. Sell it, my son. Act as if you are hurt. Act as if you're struggling to get up, and then act as if you are soldiering on through the pain. This is a real experienced player, veteran move right wisdom. there.
0: But again, typical soccer player. Just want to point that out.
1: It works though. Play the league you're playing in. Yeah, sure, yeah, it worked. It, I mean,
0: everybody. And you even saw Ted over in the corner. Oh yeah, come on, Sam, wait, got it up.
1: It's Ted though. He probably doesn't understand this. That this is a regular thing in soccer.
0: <laughs> no, he was he was just confused. Like
1: the rest yeah, of the he thought his player was hurt. So I send in the medics kind of thing. Um, but it works. The fan base gets behind him. They're cheering for someone else. Other. Then Jamie. They're cheering for the team a little bit again. They're cheering for a player that's soldiering on through the pain. It's a rallying kind of moment. And it works wonders. Jamie has his penalty kick. Again, he's a great player. He scores. Hammers it in right himself. Does it? Tied game. Crowd goes insane. Again, they're utterly cheering for him. Everybody's pondering, (laughs) where would Richmond be without him? Stop, mm-hmm. please, for the love of God! It's stop. two to two
0: now. Jamie, Jamie's evened him up, two to two.
1: Yeah, it, it's great. Fan base is going absolutely insane. But Ted hears this kind of repeated refrain of "Where would Richmond be without him?" Sees everybody cheering just for Jamie, and not the rest of the team, and he gets an uh, he gets something stuck in his craw that won't get free, and just immediately leaves the pitch and charges up to the owners' box because mm-hmm. he has a question he needs to ask Rebecca. He wants to bench Jamie, and he knows that this is a big deal, and so he wants to run it by her first. She just tries to contain her glee at how stupid she thinks this is. Yep. This is going to do everything she wants to accomplish. And She says, I support whatever you want to do, Ted. Ted says hi to his family, goes off, and issues the instructions to bench and replace Jamie. Now, in soccer, if you bench somebody, they can't come back. Big deal when you bench somebody. Everyone in the entire stadium is flabbergasted. They don't know how to handle this. Flabbergasted, pissed off. Everyone in the bar is just yelling, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. Even the owner behind the bar has turned against Ted when it comes to this one.
0: Wanker, wanker, wanker.
1: Ah. Jamie is just pissed off beyond belief. Just insults Ted as he's walking off the pitch, and halftime is called. Team goes back into the goes back in the locker room, and if you were to summarize their mood, would you say downtrodden? I'd Probably say
0: pretty down, even though they're too, even though it's, even though they're tied two
1: two. So I don't get it. There's a complete lack of respect for what Ted just did. They think. They just lost their best player. He can't come back for the rest of the game. We're screwed. He's the only one that scored. Roy immediately, team captain that he is, sees Ted walk into the room and gives him the floor. Immediately directs the entire team's attention to their coach right Mm -hmm. here, right now. Great team captain moment. Yep. Moment that happens along the side that they also love that just shows how far these players can come when they're not under Jamie's influence. Isaac, uh, one of the guys who was previously picking on Nate, looks up, sees Nate next to him, moves over, and pats the bench next to him to give Nate an opportunity to sit. Even nods at him to do so. Guys come a long way real fast in terms of treating everybody that's part of this room as the team. Good on him for that. Ted goes into his speech. This is a good speech. This is a very solid speech. Hits a lot of good notes. The team is broken. It needs to change. But change is scary. We get him discussing... Aspects of change associated with puberty. Realizing he's attracted to Ted Lines and his first in his, uh, uh, crush on his art teacher. All kind, of a all kind of a non-sequitur.
0: One minute you're playing freeze tag out there at recess with all your buddies. Next you know you're getting zits, your voice gets low, and every time your art teacher Miss scandal comes to check to see how your project's doing, and get all squiggly inside. <laughs> striking woman. Not classically beautiful, but striking. First uh-huh. time I ever saw tan lines. There it is. Uh- that is. That's the whole thing for why it's called tan lines. It's
1: bizarre. One thing I love, though, is that this is the kind of story that it's, it feels like it would be a non sequitur. But if you look at all the teammates, everyone's going, yeah, yeah, I remember that moment. I, I remember
0: they, You, remember they, you that know moment. what I think they identified with? That's a great point. I think they identified with striking woman, not classically beautiful, but striking. And actually, I found myself
1: going, I've known a few of those yeah, myself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know that. It, 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 he's, he's got him invested in the speech by telling his little Ted anecdote. It shows the natural craft of Ted when it comes to approaching these things. God knows what he's doing. Discussing the idea that change is a good thing, embracing change, being brave, doing everything you have to to make the change happen, to let other people move forward and live her life, and by mm-hmm. live their lives so that you can help her be happy. Mm-hmm. And by mm-hmm. her, I of course mean Lady Football. Nice, which I love that all the team goes. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. It's like everyone was like, "Oh yeah, of course, Lady Football." That's a concept I understand. Beard whispers nice save, as you say. And Ted Mew says, We're shifting the game plan. Do we have a new, we have we've already got it worked out? Look at Beard. He's gonna show you what to do. More passes. And Beard's already ready to go with what the post Jamie game plan will be. And- First he
0: says, I got one thing to say. He smacks the smacks the sign the believe. Clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. Definitely a yep.
1: a Friday Night Lights callback. Absolutely. Uh, we cut back to the game itself, and by all accounts, the team is playing well. Yes!
0: I love detail.
1: The team starts to pick it up. Particularly defensively. They're playing defensively very well, which is a kudos to them. And the announcers sound kind of surprised by it. They're like, how is this happening? This is not what we expected. And he moves Sam to midfield, right? So he, he brings yeah. Sam up to be a striker to be very much offensive position and as we see here it works out great so we're nearing the end of the game roy veteran that he is gets free he's got a clear shot into the goal couple people well clear enough running towards the goal A couple people in his way but rather than try to take it in all himself he passes to a wide open sam right across the pitch
0: cross Sam, kick boom goal it's up it's good ladies and gentlemen the crowd goes oh! wild
1: Everyone goes crazy. The beer goes flying. Tire stands are going nuts. Literally everyone in this stadium, with the notable exception of Rebecca, is as happy as they've ever been. Um, Richmond takes the lead just in time for the ref to declare the game is over. Ted has his first win. Nate is so excited that he just glomps on Ted and throws himself into his arms. Did Nate catch- seems like a real hugger when he's excited. You catch what Ted said to Beard? no what did he actually said
0: take, take this human take this human
1: <laughs> yeah he hands him over to Beard Nate's still suspended in midair throughout all of this everybody's ecstatic Roy takes the time to come over to and congratulate Ted telling him what you did took guts shakes his hand great moment between the two of them the Ted Lasso experiment is working
0: crowds still cheering Wanker but same word Wanker but different Wanker it's a chant now for him same word but different yeah, yeah. kind of like back in the 80s when bad meant good right who was president back then Ronald Reagan
1: Ronald Reagan
0: the actor do you know what that quote is from
1: that's, that's from Back to the Future Back to the Future
0: there you go Doc Brown.
1: Beard even looks a little bit like a young Christopher Lloyd so it sells it even more too uh, everybody's having, great, having a great time and Ted's son runs out onto the pitch mm-hmm. excited as all hell for his dad two of them share a great moment he asks the inevitable question of, Danny, what does wanker mean? Did you note know what Ted's definition was? Because it was great. Yeah, give it to me. Uh, Ted's definition was, well, a wanker is a, it's a man that likes to be alone with his thoughts.
0: <laughs> yes. It's interesting that he did. He well done. went
1: the descriptive
0: route. Like, I thought he would just say like, oh, it's just some sort of British name. But no, he actually tried to explain
1: it. Good dad that he is. He's going to find something that is 100% true, but also age-appropriate crowd goes nuts his son's on the pitch with him they're celebrating together he's up on ted's shoulders everybody's having the best time ever except rebecca who has an outright surly look on her face
0: and then we go
1: off a cliff absolutely, absolutely. starts out like it's gonna be okay it starts out like it's gonna be okay ted's son's playing soccer with the soccer girl with the soccer school girl it's shannon great. we get her fun. name shannon she, we do it's shannon And Ted and Michelle were talking. The last we saw of them, they had a pleasant time making Lego block things. It's great. And they talk about the first time they met and how Ted doesn't regret a single moment. Not even this. And we cut to Roy and Keely Having what is very much their first moment in parallel to them talking about their first moment. Yep. As Roy apologizes to Keely for being an idiot and... After she kind of accepts the apology, he just kind of awkwardly runs away with a good night. <laughs> He's so adorably awkward when he comes to her because he likes her,
0: and she knows that she. I mean, she she's like the she's she is like master a... Yoda with men. Keeley is. Yeah. Um, she knows exactly what this means. Exactly what Roy is doing. She likes it. Gets a smile out of her, and they have, like you say, their first moment.
1: Yeah, and Forever by Mumford Son- Mumford and Sons is playing in the background. Oh. <laughs> And Ted says again that he wouldn't change a thing even now. And Michelle asks what he means by that. And Ted reveals that there is nothing that he can do to make her happy. He would do anything to make that possible. Anything. Absolutely he would try. But there isn't an answer to that. There is nothing that he can do to fix this. And so he tells her, you don't have to keep trying. It's okay. I'll be okay. And it's a very honest moment of two people realizing <laughs> they no longer can be together. And it's hard. Oh, it made. Spencer. It's made even harder of when he's trying to keep it together. He's <laughs> trying to, you know, soldier through this. And then he says, shoot, I promised myself I would never quit anything in my life. And. Tears in his eyes, and she, Michelle, tells him, "You're not quitting. You're just letting me go." This is a really damn sad scene. And would you agree that Jason Sudeikis sells this incredibly well? Um,
0: I would say he acts it well. Um, more on that in Sports Center Top Ten.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll address in great there but good god this man's eyes he acts this scene just with his eyes of just this lost but determined kind of bravery overwhelmed but soldiering on it's, he's, they're both trying to put on a good face for their kid who comes in and says goodbye as Ted hugs him with what going through his head is the realization that this is the last time this will happen in this way this is the last time my son will be part of a nuclear family This is the last time we will ever be this kind of father-son relationship again. And he sits down on a bench, and best friend Beard walks up with a beer for a friend in need. And they sit there together as the old man fan walks up and calls him a wanker again and congratulates him on the win. But other than that, Ted takes a big swig, and the episode ends, exiting on some of the biggest highs and the biggest lows we've had in the course of this series
0: i think that does it spencer another A plus effort here on the recap thank you very much for doing it man it ends on a tearjerker this is such a whoop it's a switcheroo for you because you're not used to the tone right i mean this show has gotten serious but it has not approached this level um, and I, I'll continue to compare this, this uh, uh, show to probably my favorite sitcom of all time, The Office, in mm-hmm. that The Office, in this, this show is doing this in this super condensed vacuum. It's doing it very, very fast. Because apparently, like, you can't do twenty episodes a season anymore. Like, Hollywood is just contractually unable to do so anymore. But back in the I day, that. I know it pisses me off. But like, used to, they would actually spend six months a year filming these things instead of the six weeks, and they would do twenty episodes, and you could stretch this thing out and it'd be a little mm-hmm. bit more elongated. But that's what The Office had, and you start to get, to, you started to get to a point where there were like legit moments where you felt emotional. It started in like season two, season three with the Pam Jim thing, but it moved on in later seasons to so all kinds of characters were getting those moments. And that's what this show has done in just five episodes. It is taken from the absurd, which it starts. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you know, uh, in dreamland, if we see each other, uh, let's just fool around, pretend like we don't know each other. Like silly shit like that is where we started to this, where it literally is something super relatable about a breakup or a divorce. Um, when you're really, really trying, it just can't work. And it's eliciting those emotions from you. So it's, it's kind of escalating right as a as a series into something um, in the upper echelon with those those uh, sitcoms that also can be jerkers and it's doing it like I say, in a very condensed time frame
1: it's transcending the comedy genre it's be it's proving it can be a lot more than just silly and that takes effort and it's pulling it off in spades absolutely i think it's a very very good
0: episode i wouldn't say it's my favorite episode but again the most affecting episode that they have done and i think an episode that shows you yet again the flexing of this the writing staff because it's showing you just what they can do with these characters let's go Two hour segments, we will start with train wreck of the episode. We'll go to Sports Center Top Ten and we will end with Ted's life lessons of the episode.
1: Spencer, who is your train wreck of the episode? I mean, it's it's mostly a good episode for a lot of people, other than Ted. Ted has a bad day, but he has so many still great moments, I'm not gonna pick him. I'm gonna pick Jamie, oddly enough. Despite scoring two goals, despite sneaking. I hate you. Despite thinking he's the center of attention for everybody else. We get to see a lot of the fundamental flaws in this guy that are gonna take him that are gonna take him down a peg as this season goes on. We get to see his self-absorption interfering with his ability to actually market himself. We get to see his unwillingness to follow a team plan getting him benched in a way that he will not come back quickly from. We get to see his inability to associate with other people deriving him away from relationships. I you know, as much as we see Jamie in what he feels is his greatest of moments, I think he's Ignoring all of the problems that are festering and waiting to boil over.
0: This is going to be the first episode. We're making history here on The Lasso Lowdown where we're going to award two train wrecks of the episode because I totally get why you picked Jamie. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will give him train wreck of the episode, but I will also award it to a different character. I award train wreck of the episode coming from Lee to Michelle. Ted's now soon to be ex-wife because uh, she will look back on this and regret what she's doing. Her biggest gripe that we have had communicated uh, about Ted is that he is too optimistic. This Mm. is a type of you don't know how good you got it type of situation. And if your biggest problem with your partner is that they are too optimistic, that they're too, they try to see the good in things, that's your problem, then good luck in the dating market, Michelle. Go on out there, find another guy, Good luck, because you're going to look back on this situation, this one time in London, on the street, with your kid playing soccer with Shannon, and you will recognize that you have made a mistake here with our guy, Ted Lasso. Her feelings are valid. She has to leave this relationship. It's not going to work. I understand that, but she will regret it. She is my train wreck of the episode.
1: It's one of those things where I almost feel that makes it even just more painful for her, made this decision all the more agonizing, is that she probably is told by everybody else around, oh, Ted's such a great guy. Oh, don't you love Ted? Oh, Ted, he's just he just lights up a room every time he's in it. And all of that's perfectly valid. That is Ted. But if you're unhappy and that's what everyone just keeps telling you while you're unhappy, God, that must just feel all the more worse.
0: Oh, I mean, it's, fa- it's valid. She's got to yeah, leave absolutely. the relationship. We, but from what we know, they they don't need to stay together. They're doing the right thing. But I will tell you, she will absolutely regret this because, um, you know, it happens sometimes, right? You're in a relationship, especially when you get in a relationship uh you see people who do it like it's like their first relationship that ends up being like the relationship that they end up with the rest of their life like high school sweetheart, something like yeah. that often they will get in relationships and not realize what they have because they haven't been out on the dating market in so long and so that's why i challenge michelle go out in the dating market you're gonna hate it you're gonna wish um, that you were um, hooking up with one Ted Lasso at a karaoke, karaoke party. We'll spoil it well, for a future episode.
1: If, if you want to make my bets about the you know three-season arc of the show, because we have a lot of time further to go with where the show may end up, don't picture the two of them ever getting back together, though. No, but I think, but I think very... we'll get a call.
0: I think we'll get Michelle calling him, asking how he's doing. If you want to get we'll... a coffee sometime.
1: That's very possible. That is very possible. Good call. That'd actually be an interesting way, an interesting way of doing that.
0: And he'll probably say no. All right. And that is train wreck of the episode. First time ever in Lasso Lowdown history. We've awarded it to two different people. Now we'll go to right. SportsCenter Top 10 where we have 10 and always just 10
1: right on the Precisely nose, 10. 10
0: things that we want to point out about the episode. Spencer, do you want to go first?
1: Uh, thing I want to absolutely credit here. I said it several times in this. Roy may be one of the MVPs of this episode in terms of what he's able to accomplish and pull off both for the sake of the team and also in terms of establishing a future relationship with Keeler. It is some very proper decisions by roy it's several points in this and he deserves credit for them okay
0: i am going to go with uh you were talking about um how jason sudeikis was acting i'm going to put that in quotes this scene with his wife soon to be ex-wife where they are actually deciding okay this isn't going to work and he's letting her go he's telling her you can go i know you can't do this anymore i will be okay I don't think Jason Sudeikis was acting there. Jason Sudeikis got divorced from Olivia Wilde in 2020 when this was being written and filmed. Um, He also got divorced earlier in his life from a woman called Kay Cannon. Uh, So he's got two of these under his belt, and he was undergoing one with a woman that, by all accounts, he really had strong feelings for that seemed to get along really well on Olivia Wilde while this thing was being written and filmed. I think this is something he put into the show because he knew how he could write it well and he could act it well and i think the one the reason it's so affecting and how it's presented written and acted is because it's coming from a real place and i think that's why it's so good uh and i again i don't think he's acting i think he's tapping into something real there
1: yeah i think that's an absolute good call about what what, what we saw there but wherever he summoned it from be it life experience or just Conjured out of thin air, he brings it to bear here and makes it real. Um, I'm going to supplement off that, but I think Ted Lasso, as much as he has some rough damn moments in this episode, deserves mention in this. He gets his first win. It's in justification of all of his decisions as a coach. And as rending as this moment at the end of this episode is, it is a profoundly mature adult decision. He is recognizing that the relationship is coming to an end, and he does what he can to make it as unpainful and functional and protective of their sons as they possibly can. And that is an incredibly hard decision to ever make in life but he does it the best of his ability to pull it off. So Completely agree. Success as a coach and success of ending a relationship kudos to this man. You are an inspiration to us all.
0: Completely agree. Opening song is Diana Warwick I wishing and hoping and praying man what a song. What a song. Loved it. Wanted to point that out.
1: Uh, That's 10, right?
0: Uh, No, I got a few more. Um, So number seven, uh, Jamie is pushing a beer called Darsteiner. Is that what the name of be? Yeah. So Spencer is, you know, not a drinker. I don't drink. But Mm. I will tell you, uh, I did a little research on this podcast professional. I think this is a reference to a beer called Warsteiner beer, which Mm. is very popular in Europe coming from their website direct quote in 1927 the discovery of the cariskel a natural reserve of extra soft water in the arnsburg forest signal a change in the production process of hornstein beer the soft water of this uh whatever that is today still feeds the water tanks of Worstein brewery and contributes to the unique taste experience of Worsteiner or beer so there you go i think they're actually referencing a real beer that's popular in europe best i can tell
1: okay i'll, I'll do my 13th at this point um keely I think she deserves a mention here for just continually not being comfortable to sit on her laurels. As much as she's successful for being famous for being almost famous, she has dreams, she has aspirations. And this idea of getting invested in player marketing is both a really great idea given her history and something she seems really interested in. She had a rough initial client when it came to Jamie, but I believe in her. I think she can do better going forward.
0: Completely agree. Um, and I will... Do you want to wrap it up here with number 10? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, after Jamie and Roy get a yellow card I think it's Jamie that gets a yellow card might be both of them get a yellow card for fighting their own teammates the announcers say we haven't seen this since Newcastle in 2001 me, sports fan that I am podcast professional I am, thought, ooh, that'd be really nice to research do a little plug on the Center Top 10 as to what happened in Newcastle in 2001 that prompted this reference
1: is it real? would you like to know an answer? I would absolutely like to know not a
0: thing at all completely made up so there you go
1: god damn you damn it, all to tell you I was so excited you not did the legwork. You did the research and there was nothing there.
0: Exactly. Not a thing. They oh, just I just made disappoint. it up. i know. have disappointed me too. Also had the the uh back to the future reference, but you nailed that uh with uh Ronald Reagan, the actor. Funny to I, me. Funny to uh, any child of the 80s.
1: One last one. I feel like we're at like 30 at this point, but hmm, Sam. ten on the nose. Sam deserves a mention. The man not only had a great fan moment where the fan base was actually cheering him, he also scored for seemingly the first time in joining the Premier League.
0: I think it was because he's been playing defense this whole time, right?
1: Ab- absolutely. Great day for Sam. The man deserves it. Nobody cares more on that pitch than him for this episode. Next episode, we're going to meet somebody else that may care a little bit more.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, great episode for Sam. Yeah, absolutely. If we were doing the opposite or the opposite of Trainwreck of the episode winner, the episode Sam might have been up there. Absolutely. Um, okay, uh, I'm going to do ted's life lessons before i do that you know that's a concluding segment we like to leave everybody with a good taste in their mouth something good to uplift them as they leave the episode going into next week is there any concluding thoughts you have about this episode before i go into that and we wrap up
1: this episode was a great episode very emotional for me it also left me with very much afraid of just oh man we're at the mid-season and they're throwing these kind of punches at us what more do they have to bring to bear before this season's done
0: yeah it does show that they have a real legit deep heavy tool bag that they can go to right because they Mm. they just pulled an emotion out of me that i did not think i was going to get when i started this thing it shows that this is this just shows got legs and you keep talking about this three season run i'm sure that's what they have planned But my god this absolutely could be like a 9 10 season type thing the way they've started to build these characters and the way they can play with the emotions of each individual one absolutely Okay. All right. Ted's life lessons of the episode. If you've ever listened to The Lasso Lowdown before, you know that unlike other segments, this one actually isn't sarcastic. It's actually just sort of earnest. I try to just write down life lessons that we can learn based on things that happened in the episode, primarily things that have happened to Ted. We're going to start with an easy one. Low-hanging fruit right here from my boy Higgins. You hit the quote earlier. I'm going to hit it again. If you're with the right person, even the hard times are easy.
1: Uh, that's so true.
0: <laughs> it really is, uh, and it's it's true in a real painful way for a lot of people. A lot of people are not who are listening right now are not going to want to hear that quote. They're going yeah. to want They're going to want us to stop talking about it because they are not the hard times aren't easy with their person, and they're trying to fit that square into that that circle peg. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, number two, uh, be nice to your ex. You never know when being nice to your ex might develop into something else or another opportunity. I don't mean romantically. I just mean. In life, if you keep that line to your ex, you never know. It could be a job, could be meeting another friend, could be learning a new restaurant. You never know. If you keep that, if you keep that tie to the ex, you keep things civil, you only stand to gain in the future.
1: And particularly in their case where they have a kid, for that, at least learn to be civil with them. Whatever happened between them, it's for that kid's sake you need to be able to at least peer civil around them and act civil around them
0: you're 100% right but that is not why I wrote this one I was thinking of Keely and Jamie how Keely got a job for helping Jamie god
1: damn it (laughs) KG sure yeah that one do that one yeah I'm going with the emotional heart blood of the episode I know you you really really went to a nice place
0: there and I was like oh you're sorry I was thinking like you know because Keely kept it civil with Jamie decided she was going to continue to help him with this photo shoot got a job out of the deal
1: you capitalist motherfucker that's where you were going with that thing
0: (laughs) number three locker room talk of the episode this reminds me very much of one of my favorite television shows of all time friday night lights it's clear eyes full hearts can't lose you've heard me reference it multiple times in this podcast locker room talk you get one of those every two episodes in friday night lights a good one here where change he uh ted talks about uh sometimes you need change and change mm-hmm. can be scary but the brave embrace change and change is often necessary for growth and success and to not be stagnant right So a very important lesson of the episode. And Ted implements that. He benches Jamie. He moves Sam up. He changes the offense. Bam. They grow. They succeed. They win the game. And finally, number four, Ted life lessons of the episode. I've got a quote for you right here. And then I'll break the quote down as part of Ted's life lessons. Michelle, if there was something I could do, do or something I could say that would make you be happy. Just being with me, I'd do it. I'd do it in a nanosecond. But I ain't got no control over any of that. You don't have to keep trying anymore. It's okay. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. Two things to break down here for Ted's life lessons of the episode. One is Ted very astutely recognized. This is, this is the part I want to leave everybody with. Hold on to it in your life. Okay. But I ain't got no control over any of that. Yeah. Very, very painful. Painful yet smart thing that Ted has recognized here, that if you are in a relationship with somebody and they don't like you anymore, you cannot control that. Try as you might, you can't make them do anything. You can't make another person feel anything. If they don't like you, they don't like you anymore, uh, in that way, and you ain't got no control over that. And the second thing, Ted's life of the life lessons of the episode is sometimes in life you got to let people go. You don't have to keep trying anymore. It's okay. I'm gonna be okay. That's him letting her go. And sometimes that's the best gift you can give anybody um, as you're ending a relationship is to let them go.
1: If you want to talk about among the hardest things you can ever actually accept or come to accept about a relationship those two got to be near the damn top just coming to terms with those kind of conclusions is something you could struggle with for years
0: and ted succinctly puts it into one couple sentence goodbye thing and it shows just how um emotionally i would say sophisticated he is and how in tune with situations and himself he is and uh, you know he's something that's something for all of us to ascribe to spencer
1: it's one of those things where it's so easy to misconstrue what ted is is just being immature it's just being childish he isn't that remember these scenes this is a very emotionally mature capable experienced kind of person who's just able to still approach life with a childlike glee those two don't have to conflict they can somehow work together in a single human being
0: absolutely and that concludes ted's life lessons of the episode now that i've brought everything down now that we're in tears just like the end of the episode itself. Uh, okay, any concluding thoughts before we wrap up, Spencer?
1: Uh, how could he exit this episode without wanting to know what comes next? I know. I'm
0: literally looking forward to, to going through the back half of, of episode, season one. With you here, Spencer, on the Lasso Lowdown, we will continue these week by week. We release these every Tuesday night, so please put it in your podcast feed, subscribe. We will drop these every Tuesday night until we get to season two, and voila, we will be with you week by week for season two for all the new coverage of the new season. We really look forward to it here on the Lasso Lowdown. Again, this is a Mangum Talks podcast. You can get all of our all of our podcasts by typing in Mangum Talks in your favorite podcast platform, or going to mangumtalks.com we love to hear your feedback. You can either comment on your favorite podcast platform or you can go to Mangapuck.com, click up upper right-hand corner, click contact us, drop us a line. We would love to know what you're thinking about the podcast. And thank you so much for listening, folks. We really enjoyed this one. We'll be back with you next week for episode six here on The Lasso Down. Until then.